This is In the Trenches, Broadcast 66. Welcome to In the Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm really excited to have today's guest on the show, Justin Sloan. Justin is a video game writer on such titles as Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, as well as a novelist and screenwriter. He's the author of fiction books, including Falls of Redemption and nonfiction, um, including military veterans in creative careers, which we uh, will be talking a little bit about uh, today, as well as a kind of a spinoff project that we're kind of collaborating on on that subject, but I won't get to that just yet. Justin also studied writing at the John Hopkins University um, in the writing program and at UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television Professional Program in Screenwriting. Justin is also a co-host of the Self-Publishing Answers podcast. So basically, Justin has done quite a bit of work both in writing and, uh, and, and in and around writing in movies, video games, and beyond. And uh, Justin was actually in the Marines for five years and has lived in Japan, Korea, and Italy. He currently lives with his amazing wife and children in the Bay Area where he writes and enjoys life. And we'll dig into kind of what he's doing there today. But Justin, thank you so much for being on the call with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so let's take it from the beginning a little bit. Let's backtrack. So right now you're, you're, you write for video games. Um, you also write books. And I, I've, I've checked out a couple of them. And I'm in the process of reading one of those in particular, the veterans and creative, military veterans and creative careers. But let's backtrack a little bit, maybe to your what what got you down this path, moved you down this path towards towards writing and towards this kind of creative work. Yeah, sure. So it started a little bit ago in 2010. Uh, I was sitting around without anything to do because we had Snowmageddon happening in D.C. where I lived at the time, and I think I had recently gone through a breakup or something. So you know, no relationships, can't go outside because there's snow everywhere. Uh, you know, I was too big of an adult to go sledding or whatever. And, and so I was like, I always had this thought that I wanted to write a novel before I'm 50. And so when I, I sat down, I was like, eh, maybe I'll just try it out. You know, I'll just try it a couple of pages. And then within a few months, I had like a hundred something, 150,000 words written or something like that. And I just fell in love with the process. You know, I, I was just having so much fun. And I was like, I need to just do this all the time. I shared it with a couple of friends and they were like, wow, yeah, you, why, you, you got to do this. This is, this is pretty good you know, for a first attempt, probably, I'm sure they were being nice, because they're friends and all. <laughs> and that that kind of spiraled into, you know, I started taking classes, I'm the kind of guy that always loves to learn and always be learning, educating myself. So I signed up for, you know, writing classes, screenwriting classes, all kinds of workshops, and just it kept snowballing, snowballing and became screenwriting soon. And now it's become video game writing. It's been a fun journey. So how do you actually like, I feel like this is something that well, I would think a, like a certain group of people, at least, uh, if not a lot of people would want to do, would get into screenwriting, get into video game writing. Um, these are, I feel like pursuits, like I, I actually remember thinking when I was growing up, like in high school, I remember thinking that those, either of those would have been really cool options, but it didn't seem realistic to me. Like I would have never seen mm-hmm. like the, the pathway to get there. So tell me a little bit about how you actually got there, like practically speaking. Right. No, I was the same way for sure. Uh, when I was young, I had 
been an artist and tried drawing little comics here and there and whatnot. But going into, you know, looking at colleges and whatnot, and it, it just didn't seem realistic. And that's kind of a big part of why I went into the military. I was thinking, what else am I going to do? <laughs> Might as well go serve my country. Yep. And uh, yeah, so then it went down the road, you know, I'm, I'm doing these, these other careers. I'm looking around and I'm, I'm going to my day job and, and I started writing, like I said, and I just started realizing how, how passionate I was about it. And I still had that in my mind where I was like, I got to make a paycheck. I know that this isn't kind of a realistic way to go. Uh, but I started going to all these classes and I started going to film festivals and I started interacting with these people who are making it. And I started realizing that they weren't that different than me. You know, I'd been in the military. I was at the time at the Department of Commerce doing post-conflict reconstruction and stabilization work on the policy side. And I met uh, Ashley Miller at this thing called the, uh, the Veterans Writing Retreat at the Writers Guild Foundation in L.A. And he was the writer on Thor and X-Men First Class and a bunch of other films. And he had come from the Naval Intelligence Center or something like this as a civilian, but doing very similar work. And he kind of got discovered and worked on the Sarah uh, Connor Chronicles, you know, that Terminator TV show. And just looking at how he had gone from that, you know, just, just writing all as much as he could on the side to finally somebody discovering him and him getting all these great opportunities. I was like, wow, why am I thinking that I can't do it? So I started putting as, you know, as much effort as I could into it, you know, trying to get the 10,000 hours, whatever it is, uh, just making my first self a professional, improving my craft and all that taking internships on the side, you know, getting writing samples out there, getting short stories and poems published, uh, building up the resume basically with like the, the, you know, the master's degree and then the screenwriting certificate. And then I reached a point where I said, you know what, this two track me isn't working. Like this is, this is too much of a passion for me to be spending any time not doing it, you know, aside from mm-hmm. being with the family, of course, because that takes priority mm-hmm. always. But like, why am I at work at this point? I was at the federal reserve doing Asia analysis on Taiwan and India and Japan. That's kind of fun, but it wasn't the passion. It was, you know, time spent not following my passion, not improving my craft and becoming a better writer. And so I made the, uh, the commitment to myself. I talked to my wife and she was cool with it. We we're like, as of a certain date, I think it was May 31st, 2014, I'm just going to go full on, you know, no, nothing else but a writer. And luckily I, because at the time I was like, maybe I'm not going to get a paycheck. That's okay. I'm just going to go hundred percent and try to make it work. Uh, you know, like Sean and Johnny and these guys do on the self-publishing podcast and mm-hmm. my co-podcaster, Kevin Tumbleson. They're all awesome. They're all doing it. Uh, but luckily for me, I didn't have to take that risk because this Telltale Games opportunity arose. And that's how I, I fell into the video game world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, t- take me through that a little bit then. Like, okay, excuse so you, you mentioned, um, I already blanked on the name, but that person you met um, at the veterans writing group who mm-hmm. had done screenplays. Yeah. Yeah, Ashley Miller. Yeah, he he was a co-writer, co-screenwriter on uh, Thor: X Men First Class yeah. and some other films. But you mentioned like his story, and you said like he got discovered. And so I'm curious though, like this is what gets me is is it just something where you just have to then kind of do your work and then hope you get discovered, or are there steps you can take to cut the line, so to speak? Yeah, I think it is the what do you call it? I mean, it's not really a marathon because in a marathon you have that end goal. You know, you have that place where you know you're going to finish at. Mm. I think it's just, you got to just keep running and hope that you <laughs> find a stopping point. Eventually you just got to hop in your car and end up where it takes you. Um, because yeah, it kind of, you can't really cheat. You can't really just get to the end line, you know, and be done with it. You have, you have to kind of just be constantly building your craft, building your resume, yep. networking like crazy. And I think as long as you're doing that and you're doing it, you know, smartly, you're not just sitting at home working on your craft and saying, why is nobody finding me? 
but you're out there networking, talking to the right people. And if you're a nice person who's actually out there to help others and, you know, to, to have conversations with people, not just say, how can you help me? Let me tell you about my screenplay. Let me pitch all my ideas to you right now. Uh, and being overwhelming and, you know, that annoying person. Mm-hmm. As long as you're approaching it in the right way and, you know, talking to people like us and other people who have done it, you can quickly learn what the right way is. It's not that complicated. I think that anybody who does that should get discovered to some degree eventually. I don't see why you wouldn't. Everybody I've talked to who's gone the right path has had some level of success. And I think a key there too is like for me, you know, an ultimate goal would be I'm at Pixar writing the next best film. Uh, Mm. But that doesn't have to be where I'm at. Like I know I can have that dream goal and then maybe I can have some more realistic goals or maybe along the way my goals will slightly change and that's okay. Like I never thought I'd be writing uh, on the IP Game of Thrones. You know, it was one of my favorite books. It was one of the also big reasons wasn't 10 is I loved those books. And I sat back and I thought, why aren't there more awesome books like this? Why don't I try to write some? And then all of a sudden I'm uh, getting this opportunity through networking largely. And, you know, of course having the writing samples ready where now I get to write on the video game, Game of Thrones. And, you know, we're in, I, I'm not in direct uh, contact with George Martin or, or HBO, but my company is in 3M, you know, and, and so it's this awesome, crazy experience that, you know, the goal might be Pixar or Disney or something, but there's these side goals or you kind of have to look at it as like I've seen, see where the car takes you. It, it might not be, you know, Napa, but it might be some winery in Sonoma that you, that you end up mm-hmm. at, you know? I like that wine analogy is good. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, but you mentioned a couple things. So it's not just like wait and see and hope. It's, it's actually, there are steps that you take and you, you okay. said a couple of them. One you have to get out. So even if you're creative and you're a writer, for example, you have to get outside of your house or outside of your room or whatever and yep. away from the computer and actually interact with people. Um, and so then in that context, it's, it is about um, networking in some, some, to some degree. So tell me a little bit about how you did that and maybe can you trace any threads back from maybe what you're doing now or any, some, you know, some of the success you've had to connections that you made when you I don't like the word networking, but like when you did go out and you met people and you connect with people. Yeah. And I think it very much is, you know, networking without trying to network, you know, or or networking without approaching it like networking, you know, it's out there to yeah, like kind of seek mentorship, seek advice, you know, just befriend people who you think are nice people and try to help them as much as you can. Um, John August uh, on his podcast script notes, he talks a lot about the, the horizontal networking instead of the vertical networking often always people are trying to network above them Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. a lot smarter to try to network with everybody at your level because those people are soon going to be those people who are up here and if you can align yourself with them align yourself with them then you can rise up together you know pull each other up by their bootstraps but uh definitely i would see the the networking side helping on fiction as well because i was wondering thinking some listeners might be thinking oh but for writing books who cares about that but I think it's very important. Uh, for example, I, I reached out to some people at the self-publishing podcast and I, I went on and became their guest on that. And through that, a bunch of people emailed me and mm-hmm. we st- I start, started some other partnerships. I started doing the podcast on the self-publishing answers podcast, which I don't see why it would not help me get more readers, you know, especially because I have these books like creative writing career that are 100% yep. targeted towards this audience. And then I'm actually co-writing a couple novels with these guys too, uh, who I've met through this podcast. And so because of networking, it's helping me get more books done and get more books out there. And I, that's obviously a plus. And as far as the video game world, it's, you know, very much hundred percent related to this. Uh, I tell this story a lot. Uh, so if anybody's heard me before, they might get bored with this, but <laughs> the, the simple answer to that is that I, 
I was going on LinkedIn all the time. I was emailing people. I was, I was looking through kind of what people have done to get where they are at Pixar and other big places, you know, Disney and whatnot. And I, w- I was emailing them and saying, oh, okay, what could they do that I could, what have they done that I could also do? Like the UCLA certificate program. Uh, this guy, Stefan Bugai, who wrote my, co-wrote my uh, new book, Creative Writing Career 2 with me. Uh, he was one of these people. He was at Pixar at the time. He was doing some story work. Uh, I saw that he went to the UCLA program. And so I started thinking, well, maybe that's something I should try too, because that's, it's an online program. You do it like once a week, I think on Skype for three or four hours with six other people and you're all networking and, uh, you know, you're, you're workshopping your stories. And so I was like, well, I could, I could do that from, from here, you know, from the Bay area. And so I, I contacted him. I said, what do you think about this program? Is it great? What about the mm-hmm. teachers, et cetera, et cetera. And we kind of started a dialogue, like not too often, you know, I think we'd send an email to each other like once every three or four months and like a total of like four or five emails maybe. And eventually I saw that he left Pixar and went over to Telltale. And I was like, Telltale, let me, let me find out more about that. And I saw on their website that they were hiring a writer position. And so I applied, I sent him an email that just said, Hey, I saw you went over to Telltale. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, I applied for the writing position. It looks really awesome. I'm so excited about this opportunity. Uh, fingers crossed. And um, I started the interview process and then uh, the, the HR person at the time said, Hey, let's get you in here. So I, I just sent him an email. and said, Hey, just wanted to let you know, I'm coming in for an interview. Pretty, pretty excited. And he wrote me back and said, that's cool. If you get the job, I'll be your boss. <laughs> so it's kind of a funny, you know, it was like a year long process of a couple emails here and there uh, or a few emails here and there. And, and it just, worked out in that awesome way. And somebody else I had been contacting like that uh, had given me all this advice, you know, like, Oh, you could try to be a writer, but you know, there's no, there's no guarantees. It's a, it's a long struggle. It probably won't ever happen. And he ended up being my coworker. He got hired at the same time as me. It's kind of funny. Interesting. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's definitely, I, I think useful. And, and in the, in the context of the video game world, I suppose that's, that's an interesting way to go about it because in self-publishing or in book, book writing, you can always self-publish. You can always defer yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. Um, video games. I mean, I guess you could write your own video games and then build them yourself. Um, movies, <laughs> maybe, maybe the same, but it, the, and the reality is, yeah, now more than ever, you could do that. But, but I think the, in that context, um, writing applied to certain fields or certain industries, um, mm-hmm. in the video game world, in the, in the movie world, it's, you definitely, I think there is this desire for a lot of people to be able to crack into those industries and to be able to work in, in, in a capacity that you're working in. So I'm mm-hmm. curious, like, so networking is a big piece, um, re, you know, connecting with people that it sounded like what you were doing was finding people who you, you were in positions that you wanted to be in eventually. Is that, is that kind of why, or how did you actually exactly find these people? Like, what were you looking for? I'm, I'm really curious about that process. Yeah, and that's exactly what you said. And I learned this process earlier when I was in grad school for international relations and economics. I was looking around at jobs, thinking like, what, what would I want to do? What would be a realistic, what would be realistic for me to do and enjoy? And so I was looking at people's LinkedIn profiles and seeing like what they said they were doing and what they'd done to get there. And then uh, so I was like, well, why don't I do that same thing with writing since that's what I want to do? So like I mentioned, Pixar and Disney were at the top of my desire list. And, <laughs> and so I, I think I typed in like, Pixar story or Pixar writer or screenwriter, you know, and Disney, same thing. And some other companies, uh, a lot of the big ones, you know, big studios out there. And then that's really what it was all about was just looking up what they had done and what they were doing and trying to figure out, is this, a, is, are these skills that I think I could have that I might have in the near future? And am I doing everything I could to make sure that I will have those skills in the near future if I, if I'm not doing it now or I don't have them right now. And then just, uh, like I said, emailing them, not, 
you know, saying, oh, you're amazing. Oh, my God. Please, oh, please. Can I be you? <laughs> but just emailing them and saying, I really think that this project you worked on is pretty cool. Uh, I aspire to be at that level someday. I, do you have any advice? Maybe I'll throw in like a couple lines in there. Like, uh, here's what I'm doing now. I'm at the Johns Hopkins program. I was a mm-hmm. Marine for five years. You know, mm-hmm. little things like that. It's kind of, I know this is a bad analogy, but I equated a lot to hitting on girls in a club. <laughs> <laughs> but which is like, you got to have some kind of opener, you know, like it's going to sound cocky, but you walk up to them and you just start, you mention one thing about you and then ask them about them or something. And and if that thing catches their attention, they're like, Oh wow, really? This, wow, that's cool. (laughs) My wife always makes fun of me because when we first met, I like busted out some, some of my paintings I was working on on my phone. Somehow it came up in our conversation. I was like, Oh yeah, I paint. Yeah. Check these out. And she was like, Oh, well, that's pretty cool. And it just, you know, it's stupid and sounds cocky or whatever. And, like, oh, look at me. But at the same time, you have to do something to capture these people's attention. Yeah. So I often use the Marine thing in my line. And maybe I'll say like yeah. something that they've done that I've done similar. And, you know, then they're like, oh, cool. And they have something to talk about. You know, they have something to reply to. Would you say that being a Marine then kind of gets your foot in the door in a little bit in, in some context, like in that it's, it's yeah. a unique, it's a unique attribute. So and t- tell sure. me any, anything, any particular stories or any particular events where you like, you know, that that was like, that was definitely a reason that you got responded to, or you were able to get the interview or whatever. Yeah. So when I mentioned, I was trying to build up the resume, um, you know, and I think people should approach writing, looking at whatever opportunities they can find, you know, even if it's a self-published author, you know, that gives you credibility on your Amazon author profile or whatnot on the back of your book blurbs or something. And so one thing I had done was do a little internship at Folio Literary Management. It's a mm-hmm. company out on the East Coast that, you know, they represent writers and to get their books published. And in that case, what I'd done is I, I looked up just all kinds of like internships that I could do remotely. You know, I was in my early 30s, late 20s, somewhere around there. And I was like, I know that I'm like a little older than most people. And I have a full-time job and it's, you know, a professional career, but I want to be a writer. So I'm like, I'm going to do whatever I can to become a writer. And, and so I looked up these internships and I found one, emailed, the, I found a few and I emailed them and had that little, you know, my little bio in there that said I was a Marine. And one of the guys, his son was getting ready to go in the Marines. So that kind of started a conversation where he called me up. He's like, oh yeah, you're a Marine. That's cool. My son's going in. La, 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 la. We chatted about that. And because of that, he thought I was a cool guy. He was excited about who I was. He, you know, he has, uh, you know, big expectations out of veterans, you know, as far as like our discipline and all that. And so he was very happy to bring me on as his intern to look at these novel manuscripts that were coming in and assess them for the viability of publication. So that, that's one example. I'd also say though, that it kind of always happens. Like that guy that I mentioned, Stefan, who got mm-hmm. me into Telltale. Uh, I definitely think mentioning that I was in the Marines helped a lot because of the same thing where he has nice expectations of people in the military. You're going to get people occasionally who don't have those expectations because <laughs> Uh, I think like 90% of us are awesome and, you know, we do a great job, but then there's 10% of us who have this big chip on our shoulder and are just big jerks all the time. Or you walk in, you walk on a set and you expect everybody to be catering to you because, you know, I was a veteran. You walk into the job and have a chip on your shoulder and say, you know, I'm not starting out from scratch. I've already done all this cool stuff. And, Hmm. but I think most people that I've interacted with, especially as you get older as, or as the people you interact with are older and more experienced, they have a higher view of veterans in their, more excited about helping us out. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. So now, on the, the, real quick, there's a, definitely a lot of topics I want to cover, but uh, briefly, um, was it necessary for you to get like an agent or anything like that? Any preparatory steps, say, for somebody who wants to to go go this route um, in terms of like professional writer for either video games, Hollywood, whatever? Some people at our company have agents in representation. I don't. 
Uh, I didn't go that route. Uh, I don't think you need to for this. And for the film world, it kind of varies. I have some managers that I'm talking with, but I haven't like signed with anybody. Um, but I also haven't been super successful in the screenwriting world. I've done screenplays and I've done some stuff on assignment and whatnot. But mm-hmm. uh, to make it big, you definitely need those people. A lot of the talk nowadays is like, it's, it's great to start with a manager because they're going to help develop your career, look at your screenplays, see what's out there in the market, see where you need to be, kind of. Uh, and then the agent comes more around the point where you're starting to sign these, these nice big deals that are going to pay a lot, you know? Um, so, that's, so that's kind of one thing I'm, I'm debating in my personal life is like, do I continue down this video game world, which is awesome and providing me lots of opportunities and is a constant paycheck? <laughs> or do I kind of, you know, take, take the risk and roll the dice and, and go that, that route? Um, a lot of people are leaving Hollywood to come to video game companies because they see that constant paycheck and you know, you're, you're writing always, you don't have to be always out there pitching for your next gig, which mm-hmm. is a, a nice experience, especially when you have a family like I do. And so, so there's that debate, you know, in the fiction world, it's always nice to get an agent also, but then you're talking about, you know, two to three years to find an agent, another two or three years, or like another year before it gets to a publisher another two years before it hits the bookshelves. So you're looking at like, you know, with the traditional route, the very traditional route, you're looking at like four or five years probably for, for your book hits the shelves. And that's, that's depressing. As you know, you're, you're in the publishing <laughs> yeah. world. So you, you, oh, you're yeah. taking on that new stance that, you know, we're looking at like where there's all these kind of new publishers or indie publishers or whatnot yeah. out there that can get this quick turnaround, just like with self-publishing kind of the reason I went it, which, you know, it's very different from your agent manager question, but it's just, you have that quick turnaround, you know, you can bust it out, you can get it editing done, you can get the book cover done on your schedule if people aren't working fast enough you fire them get somebody else and, and you can bust out a book you know put it put it on the shelves after it's done like a couple of days to a couple of months you know well yeah let's talk about that for a second because i guess the nice part is the fact that you can kind of continue to do that if you want because you're already publishing how many books i think you have like 10 or 20 books on amazon don't i mean you have quite a bit on amazon um under your name so you know you're able to still produce this type of content even though you're you know full-time writer, you know, you're still able to on the side, write books and novels and all this stuff, which is pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. And I'd say I have like 20 assets. I heard somebody relate to it, refer to them that way recently. And so that's a good way of saying it. Okay. Because, um, for example, Falls of Redemption is a 600 page novel, but when I was publishing it, I wanted to approach each section as its own part you know when i wrote it this way and whatnot so so that's published first the 600 page sections and then also published separately as 100 uh, 600 page book because i thought that'd be kind of fun and it's kind of the sean and johnny the self-publishing podcast method doing it in episodes kind of like how telltale does telltale does you know like five or six episodes and that makes up one game so i said yeah i work for telltale let's do it the same way why not (laughs) so that you could call one book or you could call seven assets and and so i'd say books i have about uh seven or eight books. And then that makes about 20 assets. So gotcha. Okay. <laughs> how do you look at that? Yeah, no, interesting. yeah, as far as de- de- define it, uh, but anyway, yeah, go on. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so as far as like the, um, the publishing and doing it on, on the side and continue to being able to do it. Yes. And I think originally why it works out, why it worked out was I had written a lot, but I was kind of holding off on publishing anything until I felt that I was at the level of writing that I wanted to be at. And I got to a certain point uh, where, A, I was a better writer, and I knew I was. So I went back and revised a lot of that and started pushing it out there. And B, I saw how unreliable the private sector job market is uh, compared to, you know, my past was government and military and whatnot. And I started realizing I saw people getting let go here and there. And I was like, holy crap, I got to make sure that I have something else going on. 
in case that happens to me. <laughs> so, so that, that actually started my publishing push where I started revising all these novels that I had sitting around like crazy and pushing them out there like one after another. So I have two more coming out next month or I have another book coming out this coming month and then the following month and the following month. And, and a lot of those were all ones that I had kind of already written or at least written book one of, and then now I'm busting out book two. But like we mentioned about how, how now I'm starting to form partnerships. And when you have partnerships and you're co-writing books with people, you can do it so much faster. And then just what I've learned in the last couple of years, you know, at Telltale and other, before, aside from that, I, I can write a book a whole lot faster because now I know how to do all the pre-work, you know, all the pre-production of outlining and preparing and thinking about my characters. So that by the time I sit down and start writing, I'm able to write, bust out a, you know, a short novel in like a month compared to back in the day, I worked on my first novel that falls of redemption book two years, but you know, I did, like I mentioned the first draft of it in like a month, uh, about a month or two couple months but but to actually like revise it and get it to where it needed to be it took like two years and now i can do that in like a month or two which is an awesome you know feeling <laughs> you could to, write it in a month or two you're saying yeah if i've done a, what i do is i i'll be writing one novel and in the meantime i'll have all these ideas for something else that'll be keep popping in my head and so i start writing those down and eventually it'll get to the point where i'm like okay that's what i want to go with because i'll have like five or six of those and so what I'll do is I'll pick the one that I feel is most ready and I'll start outlining that whenever I'm, you know, like sometimes in the morning, I'm not quite awake to really write. My mind's not working yet, but I'm awake enough to outline. So I'll go in there and I'll put some ideas in there. I'll start breaking out the beats of a story. And so that way, when I'm done writing book A, book B is ready for me to delve into. And then I can, you know, it's already so fleshed out and so ready to go that I can just get in there and boom, break it out. And that's not really unusual from what I hear, you know, um, these guys on the self-publishing podcast, they were doing a book a week for a while, which is kind of crazy. And that's like a 30,000 word book. So it's not insanely long. It's like 100, 150 pages somewhere in there. Um, but still a book a week. That's crazy. And then <laughs> uh, Kevin, my co-podcaster uh, on the self-publishing answers podcast, I think he does like a book a month. And this other guy I'm working with, Michael Laron, who does the uh, To Be Read podcast, he does about a book a month. So it seems like it's kind of the norm nowadays for, for self-published authors. Because we realize, you know, these, these other authors who are going traditional, they might get, you know, a lot of marketing behind their books, but they're only going to get a book out usually like once every year or two because of the, the length of time it takes them. But if we can bust out like five or six or 10 books in a year, then we're going to be, you know, as long as they're quality, that's the key. You got to make sure that they're quality and not just crap. <laughs> then we can have, you know, 20 or 30 books on Amazon, like you mentioned, compared to their like two or three. And so we have, you know, a different, instead of having all of that marketing behind us, we have discoverability through large numbers of books and just real quick, uh, not just Amazon, yeah. of course. So I'm doing iBooks and Barnes and Noble and Kobo and all these now too. I recently started branching out to those and it's kind of cool to watch how different books sell on different markets. For example, military veterans and creative careers has doubled its sales on iBooks compared to what it sold on Amazon for some reason. Uh, so that's nonfiction. My other nonfiction also has been doing better on iBooks, but I've listed a few books for free. And the free books have been going best on Barnes and Noble compared to the other sites. And those are fiction. So it's really weird. Yeah. Watching this process. Well, this is fun. Like this is good. I wasn't readers gonna, tend to go to certain areas. Yeah. I wasn't intending to go here, but this is good. I'm taking like notes. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to experiment with this. This is good. Cause yeah. I, I basically forsake those other platforms because I'm an 80, 20 principle kind of guy. And yeah. I say, you know, 20% of my efforts are going to result in 80% of my rewards, right? The, the benefits yeah. uh, to a degree. Um, sometimes it's more like 1% to 90% or something yeah. like that. 
Um, yeah, check out iBooks for sure. And yeah. I would say check out Draft to Digital. I don't know if you've heard of them. No. They're like Smashwords, but better. <laughs> you've probably heard of Smashwords, right? Yep. Yeah, it's like them, but they just, they, they do it. I think they do it better. They, they're more streamlined. They, they do some awesome stuff. Like when you're putting your book together, instead of having to do a teaser page at the end of like your next book, like what to read next, you can just click a button and they'll do that for you. You pick where you want it to appear in your book and you pick uh, like which book you'd want to be have a teaser of. So if you wrote book one and you have book two, you just click a button that says put a teaser for book two and they'll put like a nice fancy looking end of book teaser for your next book. So like read this next and a link to it and a picture of it maybe or whatever they do. And so, so it's, it's called it's draft so words. Uh, no, draft to digital. Draft to digital. So like first draft to digital. And they, they put it out on Kobo, uh, Barnes and Noble, I, iBooks, um, a bunch of other sites, Oyster one's called, a couple other things. And I think they do a wonderful job. You could go direct to some of these places and try. They, they do one of those things where they take like a certain percentage, you know. But my mm-hmm. argument is like if you're just going to be put on Amazon only, then why not just do it that way too? Because it takes like, you know, two minutes to do it and you just click and it's done. And then, yeah, you might lose 10% to them, but you're only losing 10% of those bookstores. You're not losing any of your Amazon. Amazon's all yours. And these, uh, it's really weird too that uh, Kevin Tomlinson mentioned this and I've seen the same thing. For some reason, when, you, when I've published through Draft Digital to like I, iBooks or Barnes & Noble, they've actually sold more than if I just go directly through Barnes & Noble. Uh, their thing is called like uh, Kindle, what, I mean, sorry, Nook, Nook Press. Nook Press is the Barnes & Noble site you can use. But for some reason, when I've gone through Draft to Digital, they've sold more than when I've gone through Nook Press. It's really weird. It blows my mind because I don't see why that would be a, the case. <laughs> but maybe huh. I, I know in one case, Draft to Digital, um, they contacted iBooks directly and got iBooks to promote my book at the front of their page for a, a week or two. And so that's kind of cool. And then also, if you put books at 99 cents through Draft to Digital, you get like 60 or 70 percent of that versus if you put like 99 cent books on Amazon, you get 30 percent of that. Yeah. So, they don't do Amazon though. They just do Barnes and Nobles on the other sites. But kind of all this this interesting stuff that I've been learning over the last couple because I only started this like two months ago. I've been learning this over the last couple of months and experimenting with it and, and seeing some pretty interesting results. Yeah, that's I, that's really good stuff. I mean, I'm always interested to see how, what people's results are, especially in the fiction world because I haven't done much publishing in fiction at all. And, and by much fiction, I mean none yet. Although I'm working <laughs> now with yeah. excitedly working with my first author in the fiction realm. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, and, awesome. Uh, yeah, let me know. Yeah, totally. Oh, I will. Every everybody you just mentioned, I'm going to be reaching out to you when when this when this gets ready to rock and roll. We'll do some cross promotion. Don't worry. Sweet, sounds good. Yeah. So tell me a little <laughs> bit about like starting the podcast. Then you said you do a self publishing answers podcast, but you you're super new to this. So how has the process been of one producing a podcast, and then two, um, why did you do it? I'm going to assume that part of it probably was for learning, and then maybe I'm going to assume maybe the other part was to attract new readers for your books, but I'd like to hear what your right. thoughts, what, like what, what, what led you to this? Yeah. So that was, I, so when I went on the self publishing podcast, uh, originally with Sean and Johnny, mm-hmm. that was kind of just, you know, me out there trying to spread the word. Um, but I, you know, I've been looking at they, what they're doing and they're doing pretty well for themselves. And a lot of these people are talking about, uh, that blogging's no longer really the thing. Cause there's just too many blogs out there. And uh, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of podcasts out there too. And I'm sure certain, certain podcast markets are saturated. But a lot of people seem to be doing a lot better with podcasts than with blogging. They're following their audiences. You know, it's so much easier to just ride your car to work every day and listen to podcasts. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for new and better ones because I catch up through these real fast. Like I'll, I'll go through their whole library and then just be like, okay, well, I got another week to sit around waiting for the next one. What am I going to do now? And so I'm, and, and 
it's taste too, you know, like you'll listen to some that everybody says is amazing, but just that person's voice drives you crazy or something. Mm-hmm. You can't listen to it. <laughs> so my argument would be that there's always room for more podcasts, but I didn't want to just be another competitor, right? I didn't want to just start another uh, pot publishing or self-publishing or whatever kind of podcast and just be one more guy out there doing it. And so what I did is I looked for partnerships on this. I thought about trying to see what uh, Sean and Johnny are doing and those guys, but they're already so far advanced in what they're doing that I'd see that as more of like that vertical networking that we were talking about. Like maybe they'd want to take me on, but it's more of a stretch. So what I wanted to do first was start with some guys who aren't, haven't done over 200 episodes. So this guy, Kevin had me on one of his podcasts, Kevin Tumlinson. And we, they're on number we're on. I jumped on a number 37 or 38 with them. So they'd already done 30 or seven podcasts, 37, 38. And I was able to listen to those and see that I really liked them. Like that was probably my, I was like self-publishing podcast. And these guys were like the two that I was listening to every day. I was like, well, they might not be quite as successful as those other guys, but they're kind of a step above me at least. Like maybe the other guys are two or three steps ahead. These guys are like one or two steps ahead. So why don't I, since I've already been on one of their podcasts and like them, I thought, why don't I get on this podcast if they'll let me, if they like me and just be another one of their co-hosts. You know, they only have two guys. I kind of like the three ratio. It, it gives p- plenty of opportunities for people to chat and different viewpoints to be heard. And they liked the idea too. We got on the phone and we chatted and we all seemed to like each other, which was, you know, it's a huge part of this, right? If you don't like each other and you can't have a nice dialogue, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, the reason I got involved was in part because I saw that as, like you said, another way of uh, getting exposure, uh, you know, reaching out to my audience, uh, especially since I'm trying to target these kind of people who aspire to write and to make it a profession instead of just a hobby. And in part to definitely, definitely to learn from, because, you know, if you just, like I mentioned, if you sit around just writing all day, yeah, you're going to learn some about your craft, but to be out there actually talking about it with other people is amazing uh, to, to kind of have that, that level of friendship where you're, you're like, you guys are buddies, you know, you're chatting every, we didn't know each other before, but now we do. And I, I I consider them my, my friends and they seem to think the same Mm -hmm. way. We'll see. They write back and say, what are you talking about, dude? (laughs) And when you have a family, you know, I have a family and two kids. And you don't have mm-hmm. time to go out there and grab beers with your buddies and talk about what you're doing. And even if you do, half your friends aren't interested in the same thing that you're interested in, you know? Like, they might exactly. not give a crap that you're trying ACX and you're loving ACX to produce audiobooks, which I do. Uh, <laughs> but these guys, you know, you get on the phone with them and you're just, like, chatting about it and they're just as excited about it as you. And, and so yeah. I think there's all of that, the fellowship, the self-promotion, the learning. So for you, what are, what are next steps for you then, like in, in all this, in, in everything you're doing, which is really a broad question. I don't actually ask a lot of people that, but I feel like you have your hands in a lot of different um, <clears throat> activities. They're all interrelated, but yeah. I'm just curious, like what do you have a, do you look yeah. at this in terms of like a one to five year type, like planning goal setting type, yeah. you know, thing or what? For sure. <laughs> so right now, you know, I mentioned I have probably like seven or so actual books uh, on Amazon and whatnot. And that doesn't count short stories or like the breakout books. And so my goal is to get a legitimate, I want 10, you know, I'm mean, obviously more than that, but in the immediate future, I want 10 fiction books, fiction novels on there. I want at least two or three of those to be full, full trilogies because I love trilogies. Uh, so that, that's kind of my, my fiction goal, nonfiction. I have a third book in the creative mentor book series coming out soon or fourth, I guess you could call it. And so that, that's exciting, of course. And that's a goal that's easily attainable, which I love those kind of goals or milestones, if you will. Uh, on, the, on the other side of that, I have a long-term dream goal, which is I have an eight-year Pixar plan. I've just decided. <laughs> I <like laughs> decided it. that about a month ago. Yeah, so, you know, like I said, you can't, 
you can't hope for these things and expect them to happen and then like hate yourself if it doesn't happen because a lot of it is outside of your control. But I'm going to do everything to position myself to be in a spot where if Pixar says, oh yeah, let's consider Justin. then when I walk in the door, I'm ready. You know, I have the, the writing cred and, you know, the, the resume and uh, people skills and connections to make it happen. So I'm going to be a panelist in October, end of October at the Austin Film Festival, which I'm really excited about because that's kind of the top festival as far as screenwriting is concerned. And a lot of my heroes in the screenwriting world go there and talk every year. Like, like I mentioned, Ashley Miller earlier and also Craig Mazin and John August do the Script Notes podcast. And this year they're having Scott Neustadter and Michael Weber who wrote 500 Days of Summer and The Fault in Our Stars. Both, I think they did amazing with those movies. Um, so all these people that are going to be there be panelists and I'm going to be a panelist with them. So I see that as an awesome opportunity where, you know, I can network and see who I can get in my book and on our podcasts and, and, you know, they always send a group of Pixar people there, like uh, five or six people from Pixar who are involved in the story side of it. Their kind of idea of looking for screenwriters who are up and coming. Uh, mm-hmm. So my plan is I met them a couple of years ago. I'm going to go back and say hi again this year as a panelist, see if that gets me anywhere, <laughs> you know, and it's not like I'm going to be like, hey, can you hire me? Can you? But I'm just <laughs> going to try to start forming that relationship, you know, and say like showing them that I'm a nice guy, try to be a nice guy. Uh, and as the years progress, maybe there'll be an opening all of a sudden they'll be like, Oh yeah, Justin, I remember him. He was a cool guy. We met him in Austin. We shared some barbecue. And then when I come in for the interview, my chances are that much better. I still have to sell it, you know, with my craft and, and all my writing. And a big part of getting to Pixar is having that manager and agent because they have to submit you. Um, so, so that's going to be in the plan as well. Like I mentioned, I'm in talks with some guys, uh, I think in the next year. So let's think 2016 will be the year that I get myself a man manager that I like a lot and, mm-hmm. and maybe an agent and start making the actual, the, the, the screenplay stuff coming alive. So, so that, yep. that's, that's, that's some goals there as far as the self-publishing, the, the screenwriting and the video games. We'll see. I'm loving what I'm doing at telltale. You know, we have, we have some really big IPs coming down the pipeline mm-hmm. and so it'd be awesome to have my name on, on the associated with yeah. those IPs. And you know, it's just a fun writing process. We have like 20 writers or more there that we're always collaborating with. And so it's just, mm-hmm. You know, smart people always talking about story and trying to develop, you know, better stories and make video games more story focused, which is, you know, kind of cool that everybody is excited about what's going on in the video game world. It's kind of like the next thing. So who knows, maybe my Pixar goal will be totally revised and I'll just be focused on video games. We'll see. Quick question. I don't know why I didn't ask this before, but what's the difference between writing um, video games versus movie scripts versus uh books now that you've you've done you basically done all three i'm just curious yeah i'd say screenwriting so it varies too of course you know different video game companies have different styles mm-hmm. some you know there's like the mobile games a lot of those you're often writing little quests and just kind of putting dialogue in excel sheets so that the different characters can use those bits of dialogue but that's very different from what companies like telltale do that are very story focused very narrative driven and it's pretty much like like writing a screenplay in that sense you're you're basically doing like a whole story arc and everything and not very gamey as far as the writing is concerned uh which is a nice experience for screenwriters like Mm -hmm. myself um but that said it's also quite different because you have to focus on player agency so when you're writing a screenplay you're very much focused on what is the protagonist's goal and what are the objects you know in the way to that and how do they overcome it and how do they reach their goal and in the same way, that's what you're thinking about with a video game. But you're thinking more is not just what the what the character wants, but what does the player want at that moment? And how is mm-hmm. the, not only what is the character going to think about this and how are they going to feel, but what is the, the player, the player character and all that stuff and, and getting that, making sure that 
all the decisions are owned by the, the player, which is also, you know, very complicated because you can't just think, oh, I'm going to have the character now drive off a cliff. You have to think, okay, why would the player want the character to drive off a cliff right here? And what could I do to make that happen or make the character, make the player want that right now? <laughs> you know, that's crazy. So, yeah. That, that, yeah. That's a whole, whole uh, another dimension I've really even thought of. Yeah. A whole new level of complexity, which is, it's fun. And I think it helps my fiction writing quite a lot because I'm thinking in all these different ways. And now I'm starting to think when a, a reader is reading my book, how do they have agency over the protagonist, you know? Yeah. So it's no longer just what does my main character want to do and why does he do it? But how can the reader feel like they're invested in that? And you should always think that way as a writer, but I don't think my brain really caught on to that until I started writing video games. Well, I've never really heard a, um, an author describe it that way either, necessarily. Yeah. So that's yeah, an I don't interesting know if anybody does. Like, imagine if you're reading Game of Thrones, you know, and if you're invested in Tyrion and everything, and I think George Martin did an amazing job of, you know, getting you into all the characters, and that's why you can be following Tyrion or Jamie Lannister, mm. and they do something totally effed up, but 100 pages later, you love that character, you know? Yeah. And I think that's part of how, I don't know if he thought of it in, that ter- in those terms, but I definitely think that, that that's part of why, is because you kind of feel like you are that character in those moments, and and you can understand why they did it. And that's a big part of it in the fiction world is more just making sure that those actions make sense in the context of who that person is and the situation that they've been thrown into. Cool. Well, um, since I'm coming to the, the end of our time here, uh, two, two more questions. I'm going to obviously wrap up with, with what you're working on and where people can reach out to you. But as any pieces of advice for the person who's interested in this um, as a writer getting into this field, video game writing or movies or, or um self-publishing i think i'll exclude self-publishing because i, th- I think you're you're you know you you being a video game writer i think that's particularly interesting so so tell me a little bit about what maybe piece of advice you would have for that person who's, who's interested in it um and doesn't yeah. doesn't know what to do is like okay now what do i do i want to do it now what do i do yeah there's some awesome resources out there like uh i think it's called twine maybe i'm messing that name up but it's a website where you can go on there and write interactive uh stories basically and, and so it's kind of like old text adventure games and you can click on different options and it'll take you to another part of the story. Uh, so that's, that's kind of an awesome thing that a lot of aspi- aspiring game writers do to test their skills and to build little mini games. And we've had people submit those as like writing samples. Like, oh, I did a twine thing for Minecraft. I know you guys are doing a Minecraft game. Here, check it out. And so that's one way to get started. I would say screenwriting. Anything related to screenwriting is good. <laughs> you know, you're thinking about story structure. And like I said, a lot of this story writing is very similar to screenwriting style. Um, I know we look for a lot of screenwriters and established Hollywood people when we're hiring. So, so that's a plus. I'd say when you're reading these books, you know, take them with a grain of salt and be smart about it. Uh, a lot of people don't like that save the cat says do X on page 12, you know, do whatever on page 30. Cause mm-hmm. that's just kind of ridiculous. It's too, too narrow. It's not realistic. And even when they use examples, it's kind of like sometimes you could tell they're forcing, you know, forcing a circle in a square type thing in a box. You know, you know what I'm saying? So I would say just be, be careful about what you read, but read it all so you know what you're dealing with and then be ready to kind of learn your own style and your own craft, your own voice. And, you know, a lot of people were emailing me and asking me these kind of questions. And that's really what drove the writing of Creative Writing Career, that book. So, you know, not to self-plug, but definitely to self-plug. <laughs> it's a, I, would, I would say that's a good resource. And in a way of doing it so that I'm not like, Oh, buy my book. Uh, if anybody emails me, who's listening to your podcast, I I'd say I probably have like 10 um, copies of the audiobook I could share. So like, let's say the first 10 people, you know, if they email me within the next like month. So by the end of whatever, end of October, 
I'd be happy to do that. I just like to put a deadline on it because then if I get an email like two years later, I'll probably have forgotten <laughs> yeah. and I probably won't have any codes left over, you know. But yeah, if anybody like ten, first ten people email me by end of October, I'm happy to share an audiobook with them. I think it's a seventeen or twenty dollar value. Cool. Uh, that was going to be my next question. Where can people reach out to you and connect with you? Yeah. So the easy answer is my website is justinmsloan.com. I put a lot of uh, my books and everything that I'm doing on there. And right now I actually just started uh, blogging my first time doing this. I, I'm blogging one of my books. So I, instead of just publishing it, I thought, well, this would be kind of fun if I, if I put it on there, a chapter every Monday and a chapter every Friday. So two chapters a week. And until it's done. And then I'm doing a fun thing where if they click on my follow my newsletter, then they can get the whole book right now for free. Or it's also available on Amazon and Nook and whatnot for pre-order. So if they just like what I'm doing and want to pre-order it, that's cool. But yeah, justinmsloan.com, Twitter at justinmsloan. And uh, I have a blog about creative writing that's called Creative Writing Career. So that, that's a good spot too. And then, um, you know, as you mentioned, we have a podcast coming up that we're going to be doing. And I have a cool right. book that's associated with that called Military Veterans and Creative Careers. So that's, that's so a good spot for everybody at. listening. Um, so yeah, expect that podcast be coming out soon. Um, our tentative title, we're still working on it, but uh, military veterans and creative careers. We like Justin's Justin's uh, title of his book enough to think that that could be its own podcast. And uh, so we'll be interviewing <laughs> Hollywood actors, screenwriters, um, musicians, artists, publishers, yep. the whole slew of, of veterans who are in these creative fields. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. And uh, for anybody who hasn't read the book yet and you know, you can read the book, you're for the podcast, you can do both, but there's just so many inspiring stories in there. And we, we've approached like different levels of success too. So you have some people who have a lot of success who've written like Aladdin, the live action version and game of Thrones and all these cool projects to people who are kind of, kind of just starting out, but have certain levels of success that you might not have yet. And it's kind of nice to hear both sides of that story so that you know that certain levels of success are attainable and what kind of the milestones milestones are to get you to that high level of success. Mm. So, but, but it, lots of people have read it who aren't military also, and they just love hearing all these veteran stories, you know, about how you went in as an infantry and what the struggles you came across when you were deployed to Afghanistan and then mm. how that mm. somehow led to you being a director in Hollywood. And it's just, it's, it's a fun adventure. And I think our podcast is going to be awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, well done on the plug. That's exactly <laughs> what I was looking for. Um, but yeah, good stuff. Well, I appreciate it, Justin. I know, I know the audience did too. So again, guys, check out Justin Sloan um, at his website. And if you do, seriously, email me or email Justin. Um, if again, depending on the time when, when you hear this, um, if it's still oh, yeah. 2015, you can reach out to me. But after that, please, <laughs> please don't, not about the, <laughs> the free, free copy of the uh, audio book. But yeah, if you guys are interested, reach out. Um, and awesome stuff, Justin. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for being on the uh, call today. And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you'd like to check out the show notes, just head over to tommorcus.com slash podcast, where you'll find the latest broadcast. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, please do me a favor and leave a rating and review on iTunes. That's the fastest, simplest, easiest way to support my creative work, and it would really mean a lot to me. As always. This is Tom Morcus, and if you're listening to this, you are the resistance.